Hello, health investor. Welcome to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Maya Monell. Maya is the co-founder and chief growth officer of the Navit Money App. Navit's the fitness app for finances, providing personalized finance coaching to build good habits and live financially well. When she's not pitching, selling, and creating for Navit, Maya is working with her family's two foundations. She's devoted to closing wealth gaps perpetuated by a system not built for the majority of America and believes financial well-being is an integral part of creating a healthier and more equitable society. She's an avid tennis player, skate skier, and runner with an obsession for physical, nutritional, and financial health. In the episode, Maya shares actionable tips to stop stressing about money, why outcomes-based solutions are absolutely critical when it comes to your finances, how to set up money dates with your partner, and more. But before we get to the episode, I want to share one of my favorite resources with you, thrivemarket.com. I don't know about you, but I used to think eating healthy meant I had to spend a lot of time and money at the grocery store until I discovered Thrive Market. Thrive is an online grocery shopping platform that's essentially a mix of Costco, Whole Foods, and Amazon. Since Thrive delivers groceries directly to your door, they're able to cut out all middle people and heavily discount their inventory. When I buy groceries on Thrive versus going to my local supermarket, I save at least $20 per order, and I'm able to fill up my cart from the comfort of my couch. To read my full Thrive Market review, steal my shopping list of over 150 items, and save additional money on your first order, visit thehealthinvestment.com slash Thrive Market, or just click through the link in the show notes. All right, it's time to hear from Maya. Enjoy. Simonson, Certified Nutrition Coach and your host of the Health Investment Podcast. If you're ready to look and feel your best without any confusion, frustration, or stress, you're in the right place. Each week, I interview experts and share no-nonsense, research-backed tips so that you can finally lose weight for good, eat healthy long-term, have the high energy you crave, and feel like a million bucks. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Hi, Maya. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Health Investment Podcast. Hey, Brooke. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. I love financial wellness and health, whatever you want to call it. And (laughs) part of my business name, the Health Investment I make analogies all the time with clients to finances and how you budget and how you can budget calories and how you, mm-hmm. you know, small changes you make accumulate over time and interest. And so I think they lend so well to each other, this idea of health and wealth and totally. health is wealth, wealth and <laughs> wealth is health. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> they're all, they're all interconnected, mm-hmm. um, but I know you're on board with that as well. So I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this. Can you start by telling us a bit about your background and then specifically what made you want to start Navit, which you call the fitness app for your finances? Yes, um, absolutely can. So I uh, was born on the East Coast, um, went to school on the East Coast, 
went to Wake Forest for undergrad, uh, and then quickly, <laughs> I got an anthropology degree there, quickly realized that um, you can't do much with that. So I <laughs> uh, figured out that I you could apply it to like the cultural anthropology side. You could actually apply pretty well to marketing um, in different ways. So when you think about like market research and, um, you know, kind of customer persona development and like understanding what makes people tick and then figuring out if there's a large enough market that's representative of that population that you've studied, right? Um, so quickly went over to the UK, worked for a fitness, what fitness, a sports uh, marketing agency called Future Brand, who had just landed the um, London Olympic account, which was oh, wow. crazy cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so got kind of my feet wet into marketing, realized that that was definitely an area that I could improve kind of and refine skill set around. Uh, ended up going to business school over there. Um, and I was lucky enough to come across effectively the founder at the time, but a small company called Bridge Athletic out of the Bay Area that was just founding. Uh, and they were effectively a Stanford grad and his water polo coach, his strength and conditioning hey. coach, who had this dream of uh, better connecting the athlete and the coach from wherever they were um, to basically improve their health. Um, so before like Apple watch was really doing this effectively before we had Aptiv and Nike training club and like all of those cool fitness apps that we now have today, bridge came into the scene to understand how do the highest caliber athletes of all time perform off and on the field and how can we create a machine learning algorithm that could basically indicate when they were most at risk for say injury before it happened so that we could automatically change their training protocols to prevent that risk. Wow. Super cool. I yeah. mean, I can geek out now on now in my world and in, in FinTech, I can geek out on like risk modeling for days and it's effectively what strength coaches do every single day. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but anyway, so was really lucky to be one of the founding team members there got to work with like the coolest athletes of all time. I'm a New Yorker, got to work with the Rangers. It was, I mean, I effectively became my father's favorite child overnight <laughs> the minute I stepped into their training arena. Um, and, you know, I got to really kind of study and unpack what were all the qualitative and quantitative factors that were um, indicating risk over time and indicating injury. Like if you took you and I, who could be the same, you know, kind of biological makeup by our love, uh, you know, for better or worse, or more or less rather, um, you know, we had the same kind of training protocols. We started the sport at the same time, but I was going to have to retire due to injury and habitual injury at 35. And you went on to say 40, right? Mm -hmm. Like what were those factors? What we started to unpack was that the qualitative side and mainly the self-reported stuff, the things that you don't really talk about um, on the field and that Moneyball maybe wasn't measuring like quality of health stats. So, um, or quality of life stats. So you think about like um, readiness to train kind of sleep, sleep scores, right? I wear whoop now. We all kind of like <laughs> understand this. Uh, one of the key predictors of risk that we started to uncover was around stress and habitual stress. Um, and how stressors in our lives really do significantly impact how we perform in our everyday jobs, lives, so on. Uh, and it was really cool to, it was, it was fascinating. I shouldn't say cool. It was fascinating <laughs> to see how like big stressors were inhibiting 
these athletes performance every so often. So when we started to unpack that, what you really, you you look at secondary research, you start to unpack, okay, what's one of the leading causes of stress um, and chronic stress for say the American workforce or population at large. Um, And what you find is that the majority of that stress is caused from financial stress. Hmm. So financial stress has a key uh, impact on our longevity as human beings. Wow. Um, and so that's when I started to get really interested in this kind of financial conversation. Um, obviously from big personal financial management, I've always been obsessed with financial services. I think it's really fascinating you, to be a founder in the space. You have to like be a total nerd for <laughs> intricacies of like banking history in America and, and kind of, um, highly risky and highly regulated entities. Like you kind of really have to love that. But I just got really interested in how financial stress was impacting the lives of these people that we were trying to help. And, you know, certainly with um, a lot of athletes, not everybody's Serena Williams or LeBron James, right? Like a lot of athletes are making under $20,000 a year to pursue something that is their true passion, right? Mm -hmm. And, And they don't have time to also go get a side hustle. So right. what are they going to do with those that $20,000, right? How are they then going to manage supplemental income coming in from, you know, quarterly brand partnerships? So finance just really, um, I don't know, it got like a hold on me. Fast forward to 2019, we had scaled the business really considerably into a couple of cool new markets. And um, I don't know, I got bored. <laughs> so... <laughs> Honestly, I got bored. Um, and I just coincidentally, through a, a joint career coach or exec coach, uh, met my now business partner, Erin, who's a behavioral scientist. And Erin came to me with this idea. She's like, listen, I know how to change financial behavior to improve financial outcome. I have no idea how to apply this behavioral coaching program to tech. Huh. And I was like, well, this is exactly what we built in fitness. So let's just replicate it in finance. And that is a very long winded history, but I haven't g- I had to give that answer all week. So I figured I could just, you know. <laughs> I'm fascinated. <laughs> How I built this is one of my favorite podcasts. I oh, love yeah. hearing. Yeah. Shark Take is my favorite show. I just love hearing how people got into building different businesses. And so I'm, I'm with you. I'm completely fascinated by this story. And I love how you say it's the fitness app for your finances, because Mm -hmm. I think we all are very used to fitness apps and we know exactly what they do. And so it makes Mm -hmm. sense to apply that to your finances. That's just a really good slogan. Good job there. Thank you. I hope it rings true with everybody. And I think the one of the reasons why we liked it so much was because it felt a far more approachable than um, maybe finances generally and financial management tools generally tend to convey. Right. Right. Like this doesn't, this isn't a dieting app. This is like right. a let's go live your best life app. Mm-hmm. And so you've explained financial wellness directly Mm -hmm. correlates to how stressed or not stressed you are. Mm -hmm. Aside from that, how would you Mm -hmm. say financial wellness plays a role in overall health? Well, I mean, with 54% of chronic stress that is attributable to long-term physical health outcomes, 54% of that stress uh, is a result of financial stress. So you can discern from that, that financial stress is one of the key inhibitors to a longer lived, healthier life. 
Wow. Right. Yeah. So um, I think it's, you know, it's really fascinating how we've seen Navit evolve kind of, I don't think we can say post COVID maybe yet, but like living with COVID and into, you know, a recessionary cycle and where we are now in 2022. Um, it's been really interesting to see how the consumer mindset has changed where it's before and certainly pre COVID, it was like, okay, I need a budget. I need to save. I need to figure out how to invest. Maybe I'll be able to afford my own home one day. Maybe not, but that's the key to unlocking intergenerational wealth. Like that's the American concept of right. wellness and not much more. But I think when huge market um, fluxes happen in our life in a very short amount of time, we start to have an underlying recognition that we are acting and behaving based on how we feel far more consistently than what the news cycle is actually telling us. Hmm. Right. Um, or maybe, maybe that's connected as well. It is connected, but, um, I think people started to embrace that stress is something that they can overcome or they can mitigate and manage. And once they started to recognize that they were able to begin to unpack, okay, what are the stressors that are really holding me back? And financial stress, of course, is the one constant that all of us live through, right? Like we all have to manage our finances, which means that we're all going to experience varying levels of financial stress throughout our lives. So how are we going to use in a very proactive way tools to help us manage and mitigate that stress? If somebody's listening, mm -hmm. how does somebody know if they're financially well? You know, is that how do you yeah. self-identify as somebody who is financially unwell or financially well? Well, I think, you know, I, it depends for sure. And I am not a financial advisor, disclaimer. But typically what we look at is the quantitative and the qualitative. So first, you'll say the quantitative, right? Like if you're, you've taken on too much in student loans, far too much than what the Biden admin is now going to forgive, right? You need to prioritize a debt repayment plan, right? There are some situations where like you need to kind of stop the bleeding first before mm -hmm. you can work on your rehab program, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think for those who are in that kind of quantitative bucket, like, you, you know, if you're financially unwell, right, like you're not able to make bills on time, you're constantly floating credit, you're, you know, you've gotten into buy now pay later traps, like, your quality of life is not what it needs to be to exist and function as a well human being. Now, the other side of that coin is the qualitative, which is to say, you know, you could, and there, this is our, this is maybe my favorite cohort in the app, but um, you could have an investment strategy, you know, even if you're just out of college, right? You're, like, you're doing your 401k match, um, or you're starting to understand how to grow wealth over time. You're starting to figure out how to save, even if it's a few dollars a month, you know, you're spending less than you earn, right? That's a huge, huge factor of financial health. If you're doing all those things, there's still a whole group of millions of people in our country alone that are still overwhelmed by financial stress most days of the week, most weeks out of the month, you know, most months out of the year. So then you have to say, okay, why is that? Some of us are more prone to stress, but what we've started to find is that when we're seeing fluctuations in financial stress and we have people that come in and they exhibit because we ask they they exhibit a higher financial stress metrics 
often it's around this lack of financial, what we call self self-efficacy or confidence. Hmm. Right. So when you think about like, okay, think about a time when you were stressed, like it doesn't have to be about money, but just mm-hmm. like in general, right. Um, often that stress is derived from assuming you're, you know, you are kind of mentally well in, in other aspects and, and more broadly speaking, most of the time that stress is derived from a feeling that you are not sure you can overcome an obstacle. You're not sure you can meet a challenge and that that challenge won't drain you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so our component and one of the components of the app is to say like, how do we just boost financial confidence in this group of people that have all the tools in their toolkit to figure out how to spend less than they earn, pay off debt, begin to save reasonably. But how do we make them start feeling better? It's that confidence trigger, right? It's mm-hmm. to say like, oh, I know that there's never going to be a world where I don't ever exhibit financial stress, like no matter how much money you have and no matter what your your balance sheet says. But if you can go through kind of these financial situations throughout your life, recognizing that, yeah, like this could be stressful right now, but I've overcome this. I know, I know what resources I have at my disposal. I know who I'm going to reach out to for help. And I know how to kind of take this day by day challenge and overcome it over time, then I'm going to grow my financial self-efficacy and confidence. And that will reduce your stress. Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. So how does your app help people build that confidence, for example? Totally. So um, a big component to this, just like fitness is, and I was thinking about this more, more broadly in health too, like often when people say, oh, I want to get healthy, but I don't know how, right? You want to get financially healthy, but you think you're saying that even if you think you're doing everything right because you're stressed. Often what you need to seek out is counsel or a coach, right? Just like fitness. You say, okay, I want to get physically healthy, but I have no idea what to do. Mm -hmm. That's what our app does. So we're taking the people that say, I think I'm not as financially well as I want to be. I'm going to download Navit and it's going to tell me what I personally need to do to enhance my financial self-efficacy, reduce my financial stress and set me on this path to financial wellness. Oh, that's really fascinating. So we do it through automated coaching. So a lot of it's like automated to say like, okay, Brooke, we know, you know, you've connected some accounts. We know what your savings goals are. We know that you live in, you know, X region in the country, and we know what quality of living standards are there. So we're going to help kind of promote certain habits and behaviors daily that can start to offset that level of stress, right? Start to build a better relationship with your money. Again, we want it to be like, like into a fitness app because hopefully you come into a fitness app multiple times a week and it brings you joy, right? We don't want to be another stuffy fintech where it's like, oh, here's how much you overspent. Yeah. Good luck. You know what I mean? Good luck, but come back next week. Like that's horrible. Yeah. So uh, we have the automated coach, auto, automated coaching kind of journey where it's just like in a fitness app, you say, I want to, you know, hit this goal. I want to train this many times in a week. I want to get stronger here. And these are my kind of barriers or injuries or whatever. It spits you out of fitness program. We're doing the same thing with your finances with the added layer of everybody always at some point in your life, you need maybe more help uh, or you want to reach out to a professional. So we also have those accredited financial coaches, real human beings that are there to help you along the way. Oh, cool. Yeah. So that's what we do. 
I know that your app is really into outcomes-based solutions. Yeah. So can you explain more of that? You might have already just done it, but what does that mean exactly? And why are they important? Yeah. So outcomes, I totally stole... Uh, language around outcomes-based solutioning from the healthcare market and specifically around preventative healthcare. Um, So preventative healthcare, healthcare at large, but certainly because of preventative healthcare has started to adopt this reckoning and this recognition that we can no longer treat an acute issue. We have to treat the total human so that they are the total life, as they call it, so that they can go on to be more fulfilled, they can be more productive, they can live longer, they can reduce their cost of annuals, healthcare, because they're being so proactive about their health in all these different areas, right? So it becomes outcome, the outcome is you as a human being are living your best life, like your healthiest life, because of the interventions and the preventative protocols that your healthcare provider, for example, is giving you today. Mm. Um, That is very much that that healthcare evolution is very much what we're hoping the financial services um, industry also starts to adopt. Right, mm-hmm. there is a flooding of the market of different fintechs that are addressing financial health, financial wellness. But what they're actually doing is just saying, we know we can help you by using our savings account or using our debt repayment method or using this point-based financial solution that could be great and could help save you some money right there and right now. But they don't have an incentive model to help you as an individual throughout your financial journey, right? It's like a one-stop shop. It's like a one per- one-time purchase, right? So it's not a preventative model because it's not saying these are the things that are at your disposal right now in, say, your you know your financial life, your financial wallet, right? Here's how we're going to use all of those different mechanisms to ensure you overcome financial obstacles now and in the future. And that's what outcomes-based kind of financial modeling looks like, right? We're saying, you know, we have a healthy, financially healthy, young, say, 19-year-old who's just graduated college and is looking for a job for the first time and wants to move out of his family's home in five years and wants to do X, Y, and Z. How do we help him? How do we help get him there? And then how do we help take him from, you know, that five years to another 10? Hey there, health investor. I hope you're enjoying the episode. Just popping in here for a quick minute to share an exciting opportunity with you. Outside of hosting this podcast, I work as a nutrition coach specializing in sustainable weight loss. If you've been struggling to lose weight and actually keep it off, I'd love to connect with you in my group or one-on-one coaching program. Unlike restrictive, hard-to-follow diets that only provide short-term results, I help you adopt science-backed habits and an everything-in-moderation mindset so that you can lose weight permanently feel completely in control of your cravings, have steady energy throughout the day, and stick with healthy habits long-term. To learn more about my coaching programs and apply to work with me, visit thehealthinvestment.com or follow me on Instagram at thehealthinvestment. Now, back to the episode. Uh Uh-huh. I'm sure a lot of parents want to sign their kids up for this immediately, like in college or out of college. We definitely thrive on the Gen Zers. Yeah. Um, 
I would say, uh, yeah, the pair market's interesting. Um, I, I think they, they definitely do. Uh, but, you know, the important thing about the I think the, the most interesting component about the Gen Z experience is that they're the most influential generation of all time. Hmm. And part of that influence stems from their um, like innate sense of self and their own like singular interest in using brands, products, services that serve them personally and uniquely. So back to outcomes-based modeling, right, is to say like, okay, you have to also figure out how to adapt a solution and a product that speaks specifically to Jane Smith <laughs> at 21, right? Like, And it doesn't, like, you're not going to try and push a product that she doesn't want that she already knows isn't right for her anymore, uh-huh. um, which, you know, in our generation, it was like... Chase Bank was coming to campus with a free T-shirt, and yeah. they were like, "Here, Maya, get into credit card debt." You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> I like to think that Gen Zers are a little savvier, but I will say that you know our biggest market expansion right now is actually in the B two B space because employers are uh, looking to acquire and retain that younger talent um, and re- recognize that an outcomes approach and a preventative approach to their healthcare is the only way that they're going to build a happier, healthier workforce. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. You talk a lot about money mindfulness as well. So what mm-hmm. would you say are some of the biggest traps people have, mindset traps about money? Um, oh man, there are like so many of them. Probably hundreds. <laughs> Like maybe Not to put you on the spot or anything. Yeah, what do you have, Brooke? Um, I would say there's, you know, the overall theme is a scarcity mindset versus versus an abundance mindset, right? So um, this constant fear of not being able to afford life circumstances, I mean, it's very real, right? Like we have a whole population um, on and user base of navigators who have, acquired or incurred credit card debt when they went to go have a child, right? Because our healthcare system doesn't support us. (laughs) And, you know, so I think that we're starting to see in the younger generations that we are not afforded the same benefits and um, like quality of life standards as the previous generations have been. You see this with the um, kind of evolution from pensions to 401k enrollments, right? 401ks are great, but if it's an opt-in model rather than an opt-out model, uh, you're basically setting your folks up for failure, right? So um, I think that the biggest component is around the scarcity mindset of just not being able to meet um, emergencies. And then something that's really evolved, again, I think it's through the like meme stock generation and the retail investor generation and the public equities markets for sure, um, is around this fear of missing out. Hmm. And I think that that is actually going to be the core to either in improving your relationship with your money or like the fatal flaw in the financial consumer market because this fear of missing out on anything. I mean, even on like debts, debt repayment or savings goals, right? Like we're now starting to see so many consumers who say, I saw this one blog post and this crazy Reddit feed and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And this, this TikTok influencer tell me that I need to do X, Y, and Z. And I always thought I was doing it wrong, but apparently I'm 
or I was sorry, I was doing it right. And apparently I'm doing it wrong. Oh my God. Am I like horrible with money? You know? So it's, it's that preconceived notion that because we didn't study finance in some undergraduate degree program that we're just like set to fail. Right. <laughs> and that's just not the case at all. Um, and I, I think that that's my biggest worry, at least for this generation of like poor money mindsets is around just thinking that you're a lot worse off than you are. I was talking to a financial advisor earlier today, mm -hmm. um, and I'll link that episode below if anybody's interested and I'll vice versa link your episode yeah. below his, because I think they really piggyback well off of each other, cool. but he mentioned the word fear multiple times mm -hmm. as well. And we were having this discussion where, there's people who get an education in mm -hmm. finance mm -hmm. and usually that's in college. It's usually not in high school no, it's or it's in graduate no. school. So yeah. if you don't go into finance, then you don't really get an education around money. Yeah. And then you just kind of float, a float along and mm -hmm. don't really know if you're doing things right and kind of do something here or do something there. And you're never mm -hmm. confident, like you said, mm -hmm. that you're doing it right. But then I imagine like you were mentioning, if you hop onto TikTok or you hop on to Reddit and somebody's saying you're doing it all wrong, then that just fuels it. I mean, even if you were, yeah, yeah, even if you were putting some money into investments mm -hmm. and you're actually doing great, then all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, I'm mm -hmm. doing it all wrong. I have to completely, completely. Okay. I kind of liken like where, financial services is right now is kind of like where nutrition and health, like physical and nutritional health was in like our mother's era of yeah. that, right. With like Twiggy and Jane Fonda <laughs> and like all that crazy nonsense of, yeah. you know, like if you only eat a morsel of food a day, like you will look like them. It's kind of the same fear mongering applied to finance now because finance is now Again, thanks to the retail investor, it's a sexy topic. Like investing, at least, of the, like that kind of one component is a really sexy topic for these TikTok influencers to latch onto. And I love myself a good TikTok influencer, but <laughs> there are a ton of bad ones out there. And I think it's because you're right, we don't have that um, baseline understanding, that foundational understanding of personal financial management really hard to discern the good from the bad. Um, and I would say too, you know, only 4% of public high schools in our country, high schools in general in our country offer any elective personal financial management course. Wow. That's insane. That's when insane. you dive into that, and there's some great researchers, um, one out of Montana State, her name is Carly Irvin, who have studied this. When asked why these public high schools don't offer, um, offer this course, they say they cannot find the educators that feel confident themselves to teach the elective course. Wow. Yeah. That that's sad. Yeah. It's horrifying. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's, yeah, it's shocking. And the last thing I'll say to your financial advisor, I'm, I'm really excited to listen to that episode. There are a lot of people in our industry that download Navit and are like, I actually really need some help. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, I think that there's person. it's this weird thing. We, we teach a lot about investing strategies in school, at least in, if you go into that area of study, um, you teach how business finance works, but you don't teach the nuances of personal financial management. It's also kind of reminding me of there may be a personal trainer out there who hires their own personal trainer. 
you know, because a lot, of them, a lot totally. of them do because they also totally. just want the support and accountability. Totally. I mean, I work with people on nutrition and weight loss and every single yeah. person who's ever come to me says either the word support or accountability. And similarly, I am just inundated with all of these messages on all of the social media. And I kind of feel like I have a baseline understanding of what I should do, but then I get so confused. And I think there's just analysis paralysis a lot of the time where it's like, can somebody just tell me what to do and make me feel confident that I'm making the right choices so that I can move ahead with confidence the rest of my life, whether it's finances or health and just do often it comes down to just very simple things, right? It's spending less. It's not hard. Spending less than you are, you know, saving up, uh, starting to save, to save for an emergency or save for a new opportunity, um, and repaying debt if you have it right. And prioritizing that in the right way. I think the, the core component that you just mentioned, um, around accountability it's an added layer of we were always taught as children not to talk about finances, right? We weren't talking about finances in the board. You don't talk about it in the boardroom. You don't talk about about it in the dinner table and you don't talk about it in the bedroom. And if you can't talk about it in those three settings, then you don't have much else left, right? Like you, if you can't get that like peer accountability, peer um, comfort, right. in addressing just like everyday topics, then it's even harder to source out a financial advisor, right? Like the one that you mentioned or harder to source out, um, a financial coach or even say we're seeing financial psychologists now because people have such deeply rooted preconceived notions and, um, emotional and psychological barriers around their finances that it's, that is far beyond being able to balance a budget. And forget just individual stress. You mentioned in the bedroom, I mean, the stress it can cause in a relationship. I think it's one of the top reasons people get divorced. I think it's finance and children. Yeah, those are one one and two interchangeably. I think are the two two core reasons. Um, And then you get into, you know, the horrifying stats around financial abuse and, you know, the susceptibility of being financially abused and how, if you are, that leads down a pretty slippery slope of other abuses in your, um, in your partnered relationship. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's, (laughs) there's a lot to unpack around intimate partner violence and financial abuse. Um, one in four women in the U S right now are victims of financial abuse. When you say that, what does that, what does that mean exactly? Yeah. So, um, it means that your um, partner and, you know, you effectively your abuser, but your, part, your partner uh, is withholding finances from you, has used your name to take out a loan, has, you know, basically corrupted your ability to grow wealth because they've corrupted your credit score. Um, it's any way in which those are some examples, but it's any way in which finances are um, held against you. Hmm. Interesting. It's the one, you know, the top reason why that and children are the top reason why victims of this um, either return to their abuser or fail to leave in the first place. Uh, Because, again, they don't have the confidence that they're going to be able to navigate their finances and therefore their lives outside of this home and outside of this environment. Wow. Um, It's horrifying. And one in four women, I mean, that's. Gather two more of us in a room. Yeah. Right. Well, and it's, it's crazy you say that because I was just having a conversation with friends over the weekend where they were sharing a friend of theirs is in this situation mm-hmm. where she can't buy anything. She couldn't even get an Uber home because her credit is so bad. She doesn't have a credit card. And so they were calling an Uber. 
Um, and I had never heard of a situation like that and was just horrified. And they were telling me, you know, about this, this relationship that they know of these two people, but they're, I mean, just this weekend, you know, it's, I just heard about that. And so it's probably something people don't talk about either. Like if it's happening to them, it's probably you hear, you confide in a friend and then maybe your friend talks about, you know, I know that this is happening to somebody. And so it's not that you're necessarily even forthright about this if it's happening to you. Yeah, I think, and you know, I, I work with actually a couple of groups in the space because I'm there's so much to do here. Um, but I think what they also find is, you know, we always assume victims of abuse, like it happens quickly, right? Like, it's just like one day you wake up with your partner and they abuse you. Like mm-hmm. that's not what happens, right? Mm-hmm. It happens incrementally over time. And when you think about the longevity of your like financial life, right? Of course, if you're not looking at your, you know, nobody wants to look at their, you know, account statements every day. Like nobody wants to interact with their finances because we have such a negative view of how we manage our money by and large. Right. So we really stay away from having these conversations with our partners and from really kind of tackling financial challenges or just everyday tasks head on. And so it is unfortunately all too easy to fall victim to financial abuse. Hmm. I once heard somebody, I can't even remember. It was probably on a podcast or I don't know, maybe it was TikTok. Who knows? But somebody suggesting, I think it was a therapist suggesting that you set this sort of cadence with your partner where you have a money date together every so often (laughs) and sit down and talk about finances. And if you have Mm -hmm. separate accounts, Mm -hmm. show each other, you know, what's in the separate accounts, what's in the Mm -hmm. joint account, what's our mission for the next few months in terms of investing. Mm -hmm. Is that something that Navid helps people with or that you recommend as well? Our coaches are all over this topic. Really? love it. We love once a month encouraging people. I've even started to think about integrating like reminders into the app, but I don't know. I I love your feedback. I'd I'd love your (laughs) listeners feedback on that. But yes, we, the coaches love it. Um, And we do say like either at the beginning of the month or the end of the month to sit down. And one of our favorite people, a woman named Jen Ewan, uh, who has a kind of financial community group in Denver, uh, she calls it the state of our union. Mm. And so it's literally a calendar invite once a month her and her <laughs> partner sit down and they cover it all. And you can do it in your Navid app, right? Like you can look at all of your accounts in one place. You can look at your debt repayment strategy, right? You can look at how much you want to save for your upcoming holiday or trip or, you know, the dog that you've invested too much in, <laughs> like whatever it is. Um, and I think it's, you know, I've gotten, when I first started Navid, I got all my girlfriends, especially my girlfriends on this kind of track. And none of them, had ever really had conversations with their husbands or, you know, significant others in any way. And I thought that that was really astounding, right? Because like, we're so used to splitting expenses, right? Like we now right. have you know, we like, the utility of sharing money has actually never been more easy, e- easily accessible. And yet I feel like the ability to converse with the people that you care most about in this like financial journey has never been more like fraught with terror. Right. <laughs> So, um, I think it's, it's really important and, you know, it doesn't have to be about expenses. Everybody's like, well, I don't want to talk just about expenses and how much I'm spending in a month. I'm like, you don't have to do that at all. 
Yeah. Why don't you just talk about like your total net of how much you expect to spend? And then why don't you guys spend the rest of it like talking about your investment strategy, you know, or like each bring an article or a TikTok video or like something that you want to discuss, right? Like use it. It's kind of like book club. You like yeah. find some new resource and then have a discussion about it. Uh-huh. No, I think that's really interesting. And again, I just, I can't have a financial conversation without thinking of the nutrition space, but I have clients who come to me and they'll say, you know, I've always prepared these meals and we've always gone to this place for happy hour. And there's always these certain things we get. And so what am I supposed to do now? Cause my partner is going to think it's weird mm-hmm. if I'm not ordering that, or if I'm not making that. And then we have this similar conversation of, it doesn't have to be once a month necessarily, but could you just sit down and talk about these new goals you have and how you're trying to eat differently. And nine times out of 10, the partner is hundred is on board and is like, Oh yeah, thanks for telling me, you know, cause you can't assume that they're going to know what goals you have. And similarly, it makes sense. I mean, we spend money all day. We eat all day. We do these things without thinking about it, but then we really should be more, open and willing to talk about these things. And then there's probably fewer issues in a relationship when you do. Completely. And I think when you go back to the topic of health, right, like living a healthy life is not living one in a scarcity mindset. It's not one that's that where you're constantly always on some horrifyingly restrictive diet or some crazy fitness routine or some like otherworldly aggressive budgeting plan, right? Like, right we say spend less than you earn, but that's not to be, and that's not to be restrictive. That's just like how numbers and cents work. Right. What we're really trying to say is like, if you want to achieve really holistic health, which is what, you know, you and I are trying to help people achieve every day in these different areas. If you really want to achieve that, then it's just changing your mindset of like, I'm going to be a little bit more intentional every once in a while around these certain aspects of my life, because I want to live a really long time. I want my partner to live a really long time. And I want us to be happy in that endeavor. I want us to have a high quality of life, no matter what that might look like for you. It's not always about how much money you can make, but it's about how you live, you know, your everyday life in the best way possible. And to have the money for retirement, for travel and those exciting things, and then to have the health to go along with it. Because this guy, I mean, you're going to love him. He's very (laughs) frank in what he says, but he said, you know, a lot of people save for retirement and then five years later they die. And I was like, oh, yes, (laughs) I guess that is true. Yes. And he goes, no, but think about it because you save and save and save. And then you end up accumulating all these illnesses along the way. And then you finally have this retirement money, but maybe you're not healthy enough to enjoy it. Um, So you want to have this rich life, your entire life, but especially when you're thinking about these, you know, glory days of retirement, when the kids are gone and you can see the world, you have to have the health to be able to do that. But financial stress throughout your life could really impact that health as you exactly like if the long-term outcome is to live your best life in retirement. And that means being as healthy as possible, then we have to do right preventative medicine and prevent preventative coaches like you and I know that you have to really um, put in the time and the effort in a positive way of recognizing that how you treat your body, your mind, you know, your wallet now will impact 
how you live your life later and also what your cost of living will be later, right? If we're talking about preventative medicine so that we can live longer, healthier lives, that long and healthier life, if that's the case and that's become the result, then you actually are, you've spent less on your health mm-hmm. over time, right? right? We know that preventative healthcare is significantly less expensive than the alternatives. Mm-hmm. Even though it may feel more expensive in the current time. If you're hiring a coach or maybe it feels like you're buying groceries that are more expensive, whereas I could even debunk that a lot of times because it's like people are buying all the vegetables that they don't need. It's like, you know, you don't have to buy the kale if you don't like the kale. It's don't buy the expensive, don't buy green powders. You don't need the expensive stuff. Just stick with the basics that you enjoy. You know, there's ways to fit everything into a budget. Um, but, and I will be the first to tell, so we'll loop up and I'll be the one on the app saying, by the way, you spent X, X amount less X percentage less this year on your nutritional plan, mm -hmm. right? Because you didn't hit up X, Y, and Z fast food, which is like a false sense of reality that these things are inexpensive or takeout takeout is expensive. Yes, it is. (laughs) And we all got used to that. California, it's really expensive. California, it's really expensive. Uh, It's fun and great every so often. But I mean, talk about, especially if you're trying to order healthy takeout, that's even more expensive. I mean, it's a whole thing. But I think you may have already kind of answered it. But one of the questions I ask each of my guests is, in your opinion, what does it mean to make the health investment? Well, I knew you were going to ask me this. And I'm thinking about it all day. I do prepare people ahead of time, but it's still, you want to get the perfect you, answer. Because I've been listening to your podcast all day and I was like, oh my God, all these brilliant people have such great responses. I know that's almost worse because you've heard all the other responses and now the pressure's on. I knew I shouldn't have listened. Um, <laughs> no, you know, I think the health investment is all about investing in yourself right now. So back to preventative care, like I think you can set out on all of these hopes and dreams, but if you can't be very true and compassionate and aware of who you are right now and how you're going to live your next 12 months, then there's no way you can say you're making a long-term investment, you know, for the next 12, 24, 48 years, right? No matter what your situation is. So I think to me, it's about being and trying to be because I am not perfect. And I feel like of all of our users, I'm always financially stressed when I go and <laughs> my stress score. Um, but I think it's like recognizing that, you know, my mom always says something really nice, which is to give yourself grace. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really important, right? Like give yourself um, some space to recognize your stress, understand why you're reacting or why, you know, why you're reacting in that way and why you're in that, that health space right now. And recognize that frankly, because by nature of you listening to this podcast, you probably have so many more tools in your toolkit to unlock a healthier you and to make that investment incrementally every single day, rather than just like wishing for it to happen one day. Yeah. I love that. Well, where can listeners follow you and find lo- find you and download Navit? Okay, well, you can download Navit from whatever your preferred app store is, nav.it, like to navigate, navigate life, navigate money, navigate it. 
Um, you can go to our website, uh, which is navitmoney.com. You can check out all of the social handles at Let's Navit because we're all about accountability. So L-E-T-S, Navit. Um, And then you can find me on all the social channels, just my my name. Apparently, there are not many of us. So Maya, (laughs) M-A-I-A-M-O-N-E-L-L. And then I do have a TikTok, which I'm thinking about reintroducing, but for all the reasons, have had to take a mental break from. But it's Money with Maya. It's Money with Maya? Money with Maya. Oh, cool. So I'm sure there's old videos we could go through and binge. Yeah. It's pre honeymoon videos. I went on my honeymoon in July and I was like, I cannot, I'm properly going on holiday. And then I got back and I was like, am I contributing to the world? (laughs) Is this voice really what, you know, like, is this going to be my thing? And I don't know if it's my thing, Mm -hmm. but if you do want to look at some old videos, there are some really cool tips in there that our whole content team had a say, but download the app. I mean, TikTok is a beast. In a great way and also a crazy way. It's it's its whole thing. Totally. Yeah. I mean, that, that was my problem. It wasn't the act of actually creating the content. It was like once I pre- press publish, my feed you know, <laughs> updated. And I was like, wow, wow, I really should do that for my nutrition. Oh, wow, I really should become like gluten, dairy, meat. You know, like, let's just eat grass. Yeah, let's eat grass. <laughs> let's drink water. Um, I know it's there's the different spheres on there or the different talks, you know, they call them, like nutrition talk. And oh I've God, gotten yeah. sucked into dermatologist talk. That's really fascinating to me. And there's a lot on there. Like you said, a lot of really interesting, good stuff. And I've been posting a lot on TikTok and actually loving it oh more than God. Instagram at this point. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a crazy world. You gotta, speaking of like self-control, self-control and restraint, it's like, you've got to post more than you. you. Like you have literally set a timer. I have, I honestly, I have missed a meeting because I was, (laughs) it's the whole idea of you have to, you have to spend less than you earn. It's like, you have to absorb less than you post or I think that's right. I think that's right. (laughs) Yes. Consume less than you contribute. Contribute. Yeah, exactly. Maybe somebody, but eventually we're going to need an app for this as well. So maybe that's the next venture. Let's, let's work on it. Your next company, your next one. Well, thank you so much for being here. It's been such a joy connecting with you. And I appreciate all the wisdom you've shared with my audience. And I look forward to connecting with you off air. Thanks so much, Brooke. Enjoyed it as well. Well, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining me here on the Health Investment Podcast. I'm so grateful for each and every one of my listeners. On your way out, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.